How is your isolation affecting your anxiety? Hey, for me, it's making it worse. We all have basic human needs, and the first human need is to feel safe. And if part of what makes us feel safe is being connected, well, guess what? All this social distancing, or as one of my clients like to say it, physical distancing, because they don't want to believe the social part. (laughs) But all this social distancing policy is putting us into a place to prevent the coronavirus, the COVID-19, but it's isolated us from our friends, our family, and our community. And this isolation and loneliness has added to our anxiety. Many of us um, are already feeling anxious because of the uncertainty the virus has created. Jobs are being lost. Financial markets are crashing. Death and disease are in the news every day. And without our support systems, we don't have the resource to cope, causing us upset and increasing even more of our anxiety. Well, what can be done? That's what I want to discuss today, to share with you um, some ideas on what you can do and some resources, hey, even better, on what you can do to help deal with loneliness and anxiety. Stick around. Hey, I'm Brett, licensed psychotherapist and the executive director of The Gathering of Good People. We're a nonprofit dedicated to supporting your growth emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. We've created a new series called Anxious to help us address address the anxieties that have been created around the coronavirus. And two months ago, uh, at the start of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we started an anxiety support group. Each week we gather and share about how our week was going, and we start to learn new skills and ideas to help deal with our anxiety. And kind of that group is what I want to talk about today. See, last week, um, we added, actually, we added a new layer to our group. We added tech support, text support in, into our group, as well as a forum. And both of those you can see if you go to thegatheringofgoodpeople.com forward slash community. And now um, with our group, we can connect throughout the week and even throughout the day multiple times. So if someone in the group is having an anxiety, particularly bad day, we can just kind of reach out and support each other. And this, this has been especially useful for a gal named Jill. All right, that's not a real name, but you know, confidentiality, we don't want to break any of that privacy stuff. But um, Jill's really an interesting member of our group. I think she joined the group a little bit, a little bit under duress. Um, one of her family members was a therapist and really didn't want to do therapy with Jill, but recommended you know, hey, why don't you join? Why don't you join the support group? And so, Jill came online to be a part of the group, but 
but she'd never really, she'd never had a lot of therapy. And, and that's partly because she'd never really been experiencing a lot of negative feelings. Before the virus, life was pretty basic for her. Go to work, home, eating, sleeping, simply just kind of living the dream. But as the world began to change because of the quarantine and social or what we call physical distancing, she'll start to feel anxious. First, she didn't know what it was. It was kind of like this high energy that was kind of churning in her body and difficulty sleeping. Concentration was off, focus bad. And, and at first she's wondering, gosh, you know, you know, do I have do I have ADD or something? What's you know, why can't I concentrate? What can I get my head on here and, and focus? And and that's a really common mistake. A lot of people think they have ADD when really what they have is anxiety. And that was definitely the case with Jill. Her anxiety was never to a problematic level. It wasn't that high, wasn't that bad. But as this situation unfolded, it started to fall apart. And so she joined the group and she started to learn to understand and to deal with these feelings. And and I, I, I really got to say I love her because... Um, her novelty, her her newness to this whole psychological thing has just left her super hungry. You know, every every technique that we talk about in group, she's like the first one on the text message going in the morning going, Hey, I got up this morning and I did my exercise and I did my um my relaxation or my meditation, whatever it was we did that week. She's like, Oh, it worked so great, I loved it. You know, the kind of people that you ego boost, you know, you like to have around. So Jill is definitely one of those because um, a lot of the other people in group have been around the block with therapy and and, and learned different things in therapy or, or experienced therapy. And, and they take a little bit more of a jaded approach where, they you know, this is a sad pattern for all of us. But, you know, we do something, we do it a day or two. And then we don't do it. And then another day goes by, we don't do it. And, and then by the end of the week, we're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing that. And and unconsciously, the message that we're sending ourselves is, oh, well, I guess the technique really didn't work or you know, it really wasn't that great. But really the truth is, the technique didn't do anything. The technique didn't get used. And, and because the technique didn't get used or the skills didn't get applied, yeah, your week's pretty much the same. You're still feeling the same anxiety this week as you felt last week. And so the the thought, and I would even challenge you to say that the thought isn't even a real thought. It's a thought that comes from your anxiety. And and that's one of the tools, gosh, it's one of the tools we've been learning a lot. Last week we talked about learning to discern. And uh, discernment is the ability to hear the voice of anxiety. And so I would even challenge you here in this situation when, when these kind of jaded people from therapy start practicing and then find themselves like, eh, okay, yeah, whatever. And, and they tell themselves a story of it didn't work or um, it doesn't make a big deal or it doesn't make a big difference. I would challenge those people to discern. 
that that's really the voice of anxiety. The voice of anxiety telling you, don't, don't practice, don't do this. Um, it's not going to work. It's not going to get you better. And, and because we can't discern the voice from anxiety from our own voice, we think it's true. We think it's reality. But again, back to Jill. Jill's so wonderful because one, she's in high level pain, which I'm not super happy about, but that pain motivates her. That pain creates drive. And then as, as we start talking about techniques like discerning and, and listening to the negative voices in her head, she can hear, oh yeah, that's my anxiety talking. And so she plugs right through. She plugs right through, does her meditations, does her relaxation exercises. She does what she needs to and doesn't let anxiety say, nope. She actually says no to, to her anxiety. And, and it's just a wonderful thing to, to watch her begin to grow. Well, let me go back a little bit to anxiety and talking a little bit about why, why this isolation and loneliness has really bumped up all of our anxiety. And, and, and why I'm going to suggest that you join a support group because it's the cure, it's the antidote to the poison. But um, here, here's how I want you to think about it. We as humans have seven human needs. That's right, seven human needs. And I, and I actually see them as kind of developmental needs that we're, we're growing through in life. And, and each stage in our life, we're kind of really profoundly focusing on a particular need. But, but all the needs are there all the time. We're just more profoundly focused on one. But you know what the first human need is? Any guesses? Think about a baby. Brand new, stinking. They're all stinking. I don't mean to be negative, but they stink. They babies stink. <laughs> My wife would say, I love the smell of babies. I know. But anyway, <clears throat> maybe it's because of the diapers. I don't know. That, that's no, that smell of diapers gets in my nostrils. But, you know, think of a little baby. Just a tiny, innocent, cute as can be. Cute as a button little baby. What is his first primary need? Yeah, connection. Yeah, food. Food and shelter. But really, the first primary human need is for that baby to feel safe. We take it, we swaddle it, we cuddle it up to mama, and, and, and we just hold that baby. And the baby at the moment really isn't interested in eating or drinking or even pooping. <laughs> Not my favorite thing for babies. But anyway, um, the baby just wants to be held because it wants to know it's safe. <clears throat> well, that's the truth for all of us. Our first human need is to feel safe. If you really understood the body and how it works, everything else turns off if we don't feel safe. Hunger, thirst, sleep, all of those things shut down when we're anxious or afraid. And so safety, human safety, is, is the first and most important need. Now, Again, as a reference, on our website, gatheringofgoodpeople.com forward slash resources, 
we have um, different workshops. One of the workshops we have up there is called The Sevens, and it goes through the seven human needs. So if you want to know more about that, you can do that. But if we look at these seven human needs, um, and we look at safety in particular, safety is made up of three parts. Three different things help us feel safe. One is consistency. If our world is predictable, um, you know, it follows patterns, you know, we can kind of anticipate what's going to happen, that helps us feel safe. And likewise, if it's unpredictable, things are jumping out at us, we don't know what's going to happen in the next turn, the next moment, it makes us feel unsafe. The next thing that makes us feel safe is control. If we have a certain amount of control over our environment, then we can even deal with a certain amount of, of inconsistency in our world. So if I go, say I go on a ride at Disneyland and um, I'm strapped in and you know I know people have done this a million times, there's a certain amount of a feeling of control that helps me deal with the uncertainty that's about to go on as I get on this ride. The third thing that we need to feel connected is connection. So I think I said that wrong. The third thing we need to feel safe is connection. So if you can hear, I named them the three C's. The three C's are consistency, control, and connection. Connection is all about mama's love, daddy's love, feeling a belonging, feeling a part of a tribe, a community. And in the pandemic, um, we've definitely lost consistency. Our world's changing and it doesn't quite look the same as it has before. And in the pandemic, we've kind of lost a sense of control. We, we can't really stop the, the disease. We can do things to protect ourselves, but that's about it. And the virus feels very much out of control. Well, the last part of safety is connection. And this is where the problem has been the greatest. Really, this is, this is where the world has changed the most, is in this loss of connection. Social distancing or physical distancing has disconnected us from those we love. And that's formed the largest problem with us not feeling secure. See, even, even before the virus, our culture has been less and less connected because of the time people are spending online. Our social interactions have been replaced with messaging and posting, this kind of social media outlets. And from the time we are in our mother's womb to the end of our life, human beings are always needing and seeking connection. Being in the old days, being banished from the tribe was one of the biggest forms of punishment. Exhaling somebody. Even now in prisons, when we want to punish a prisoner, we pull them, put them into um, isolation. Solitary confinement. Because it's connection that we long for. But we've been losing connection with computers for 10, 20 years. And I think that's 
where we're seeing the ever-increasing anxiety in our society. Well, now with COVID, it's just sped that up. And we're even more anxious as a society in the world now because we're even more disconnected. Connection means protection, security, safety. That's what community provides. The absence of that makes us unsafe. There's a new kind of psychology called positive psychology, and it studies what makes people happiest in life. And the number one factor in, in making happy people is having healthy relationships. When we have good relationships with people, it is the number one factor in predicting happiness, well-being, feelings of satisfaction. So connecting with people, connecting in this world of 7 billion people, it seems like there's plenty of opportunity, but there isn't. There's no quality time, no quality life. And that means for us is our anxiety, our anxiety that we're feeling really is a symptom of the loneliness in the world. So I want to suggest a cure. And the cure is connection, right? Right? You see that one coming, right? And I want to really suggest connecting with some kind of a group, like, like our group, the Gathering of Good People, the anxiety support group we have. Because just connecting with people in a superficial way provides a superficial connection. But I think what we're really longing for is deep connection, meaningful connection. And the only way to produce that, the only way to produce a meaningful connection in our lives is to share, to share in meaningful ways. And that's what we have to do. We have to be open. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to let our secrets out or maybe another way of looking at it is let other people in. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they say, you are as sick as your secrets. Because all of our secrets are little doors, little closets that, that block us off from the world. And as we open up and talk to people in honest ways, meaningful, vulnerable ways, we unlock these doors, these little closets inside of us, and help us to connect with people. So I would say that just connection alone isn't enough. You know, we can get on Facebook and chat, instant message people. But that's not going to make the meaningful connection that your heart and soul really needs. It's being open. It's being honest. It's being able to share your anxiety, your fears, your doubts. It's being able to talk to others about who you really are. And then feeling them connecting to you and you being able to connect to them through your pain. That's where life becomes meaningful. And that's where our anxiety gets healed. So as I leave you today, I want to throw out there one more time a suggestion, encouragement to join the gathering of good people and to get onto our support group, the anxiety support group, and see if you can connect with other people too in a way that's going to help bring you meaning, and even happiness as you 
give yourself the safety in the connections that you're looking for. Thanks again for being a part of us and joining this part of the gathering. Again, I'm Brett, your favorite drink, and we will talk soon. Take care.